The psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Gratitude is a gift, a lift, and a shift. It's a gift because God gives it to us. It's a lift because God uses it to lift us out of the mire. And it's a shift because God changes our minds from being focused on ourselves to being focused on him and others. My name is Hal Brady, and I want to welcome you to Hal Brady Ministries. We're so pleased you've joined us tonight, and as always, my prayer is that you will be blessed both by the Word and the music. Would you hear now, please, the reading of God's Word? It comes from Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him keeping their distance. They called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. 
Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But where are the other nine? Where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, get up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me please for a moment of prayer? O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, which art our strength and our redeemer. Some time ago, I ran across a statement that truly made me think. It goes like this. The greatest blessing lacking in life is the willingness to see our blessings. Now that is truly something to mull over. Not simply because this is the Thanksgiving season, but because that is a true statement. The greatest blessing lacking in life is the willingness to see our blessings. Now perhaps this was the point of this scripture lesson I read. Jesus is going through Samaria, and he comes in contact with ten lepers. All of these lepers have an urgency to be healed. But Jesus doesn't heal them immediately. He tells them to go show themselves to the priest according to the law. These ten lepers go, and as they go, they're healed. They acted on the faith they had, and they were healed. Now Jesus says that only one of these came back to give thanks. So Jesus commends the one who came back to give thanks. But he also reminds us of the tragedy of not being grateful. Jesus says, weren't ten healed? Where are the other nine? Is nobody going to turn back and praise God for what has been done except this stranger? I reiterate, the greatest blessing lacking in life is the willingness to see our blessings. First of all, this unwillingness to see our blessings cheats the world out of something joyous and good. Now, I'm not saying this to you in order to build a guilt trip on your part. I'm simply saying this to you because the more we are aware of our blessings, the greater joy and the greater good we bring to this world. So where will we reside this Thanksgiving 2013? What will be our street address? A man gave a witness to the church not long ago, and he said for years he had lived on Grumble Street. But then he said he became converted to Christ. He gave his life to Christ, and he said he moved to Thanksgiving Avenue. Now, I want to read you this definition of how a poet described the residents on Grumble Street. Listen, there's a family nobody likes to meet. They live, it is said, on Complaining Street. In the city of never are satisfied, the river of discontent beside, they growl at that and they growl at this. Whatever comes, there's something amiss. And whether their station be I or humble, they're known by the name of Rumble. The weather is always too hot or too cold. Summer and winter alike they scold. Nothing goes right with the folks you meet down on that gloomy complaining street. They growl at the rain, they growl at the sun. In fact, their growling is never done. And if everything pleased them, there isn't a doubt. They growl that they had nothing to grumble about. There's a story about a monastery where the monks had to make a commitment that they would not speak. With one exception, every 10 years they could come to the abbot who was the head of the order and say two words. Well, this new monk arrived and he started out his service. After 10 years, he came into the abbot's office, he sat down and he simply said, food bad, food bad. Then he got up and left. 10 years later, he came back and he said to the abbot, bed hard, bed hard. And he walked out and he came back in the next 10 years and he simply said, won't out.
The abbot said, I'm not surprised. All you've done since you've been here is complain. I remember there was a fellow who finished his banking transactions at the bank not long ago, and when he got ready to go, the teller said, I hope you have a nice day, to which he grumbled, I've already made alternate plans. Have you ever thought about it, how much complaining goes on in this world, how much negations, how many negative thoughts and all of that go on with people in this world? Maya Angelou, in one of the books she wrote, has a chapter on complaining. She said that when people would come into her grandmother's store and they would complain or whine, her grandmother would always ask her to come and stand in front of her. And she would ask, Sister, did you hear what Mr. So-and-so said or Miss So-and-so said as they complained? And she would always answer, Yes, I did. And then the grandmother would continue. Sister, there are people who went to sleep last night all over the world, white and black, rich and poor. They'll never wake up again. Sister, those who expected to rise did not. And those dead folks would give anything, anything for just five more minutes of our weather or five more minutes of the work that those people grumbled about. So watch yourself about complaining, sister. What you are supposed to do when you don't like something is change it. And if you can't change it, then change the way you look at it. She says, simply stop complaining. Beloved, just think how much better this old world would have been if all ten of those lepers had come back and had recognized their blessings. Think how much better this world would be today. There is tremendous power exercised in the power of gratitude. Gratitude has the ability to cheer this world, to soften this world, to encourage this world, to change this world to make this world absolutely different. John Claypool, the great minister, described two visits he made in a great hospital. He said one was to a woman who was 90 years old, and this particular woman was having all kinds of difficulties. When he entered her room, he said it was as if there was a cloud of despair. She was free with her complaints. The doctors didn't come around enough. The nurses were very inattentive. Nobody could sleep because of the noise of the hospital. The food was horrible. She complained everything about it that she could. John Claypool said he tried to assist her. He wanted her to feel better about things, but he said he was unsuccessful. When he left there, he said he was depressed, and he was blue and down in the dumps. He said, but he went two stories down. He went into the room of another 90-year-old woman who had many difficulties, but he said the atmosphere of her room was totally different. He asked her how she was doing, and she said she was just doing wonderful. She said, the doctors are so attentive, they are so wonderful. And she said, the nurses are in here all the time. They are so attentive to me. They take care of me, and I like the attention. They're always around me. I can't wait to see what one of these fresh people are going to say and feel when they come into the room. It's just marvelous. John Claypool said, well, are you getting any sleep? Can you sleep? She said, the beds are wonderful. They're soft. They make them up every day. It's just fantastic. He said, well, what about the food? Is the food good? She said, it is absolutely marvelous. Great food. And they bring it to me on a tray, and it's always a variety of the menus. It is absolutely marvelous. But then she said, John, you know, she said, I'm 98 years old, and I only have two teeth left. And so eating is hard for me at any time. 
But she said, thank the Lord, those two teeth hit. John Claypool said he wanted to back up. He wanted to back up and give her a military salute. He said, because all the heroism in the world is not taking place on the battlefields. He said, this woman was full of joy and laughter, and she brought joy and laughter to the world through her gratitude. You know, I have a relative who's suffering from Lou Gehrig's disease. This past year has seen a, a great downwardness in his health. As a matter of fact, his legs, it's hard for him to even walk. And yet he continues to involve himself with people and the community. He continues, continues to travel. He has a myriad of friends, and those friends are with him all the time. I called him the other night, and we talked, and I asked him how he was doing. He said, well, he was getting weaker, but he said he was not hurting, and so he was so grateful for that. He said, I'm only taking it a day at a time. And he said, you know, I've lived the life that I want to live. And he said, I don't have anything to complain about. And this relative of mine has such a great influence on this community that the community has asked him to be the honorary chair of the Christmas parade. And I'll tell you, I can't wait to go and see him leading that parade. You see, his gratitude is offered great joyous good and hope and help to the community in which he lives. And then secondly, this unwillingness to see our blessings robs us of the joy of release. Let's go back and look at the story. In the healing of the ten lepers, Jesus does not reach out and touch them. He doesn't say, be healed. He tells them, rather, to go and see the priest, as the law says. In other words, Jesus tells them to act as if they were healed, and they were healed. They went out in faith, they acted on their faith, and they were healed. Now, all ten of these lepers acted on faith, and all ten of them were healed. But only one came back to offer thanks. Only one came back to offer thanks. Thus Jesus said, where are the nine? Now, if we know anything about human nature, we would know that Jesus is hurt because these people didn't come back and thank him for what he had done for them. But in knowing Jesus' nature, we know that's not what happened. What did those lepers plead for? They said, Jesus, have mercy upon us. Mercy is undeserved love. Mercy is the kind of love that does not expect to pay back. Mercy is the kind of love that can only be achieved by one who loves for love's sake and no other reason. I repeat, but knowing Jesus as we do, we know that there was another reason for his disappointment. He said that only one leper came back and thanks for what he had done. Hear me now, this is truly significant. Ten lepers were healed, but only one was made well. Did you hear that? Ten lepers were healed, but only one was made well. There's more to health than simply not being sick, that's for sure. All ten of those lepers were made whole in their bodies, but only one was made holy whole. When Jesus said, your faith has made you well, what he was really saying is, your gratitude has made you well. Nine of them were healed. One of them was made well. A well-known minister said that it's gratitude more than anything else that helps determine whether we are going to make the most of life or the best of life. The best of life or the most of life. He said every time we come into a situation, we have a choice. We can ask the resentment question. Why did this happen to me? 
Why did this happen to me? And we can be negative about it. Or we can ask the Thanksgiving question, which is, what is there in this situation for me to be grateful for that's going to make a better, more positive future? What is it? And then we can remember what Paul said. Paul said these words. He said, uh, have faith, have faith. And he said, have it with thanksgiving. Have it with thanksgiving. He said, let your prayers come before God with great supplication, but let them come with thanksgiving. Now, a psychologist said that Paul gave great psychological truth when he said that, when he said, with thanksgiving, because he said, contrary states of mind expel one another, and they do. When Paul was talking about coming on with a peaceful mind, a thankful mind, he was dispelling anxiety. I remember a few years ago as a young minister, I went with 18 other people down to the Republic of Panama on a preaching mission. I remember I was very young, and when I got on that plane, I had never been over the ocean before. I was somewhat nervous about it, and evidently my seatmate, who was an older minister, understood what I was going through, and he said, Hal, what are you worried about? And I said, oh, nothing really, just this plane in that ocean down below. He said, you know, I'm just grateful to be here. He said, I had a heart attack not long ago, and I wasn't sure I was going to make it. Well, shortly in that man's gratitude and my own, I overcame my anxiety. With thanksgiving, Paul said, with thanksgiving. You know, there's an old story about Norman Vincent Peale. He went to talk with his preaching professor, William Stidger, who was at Boston University. And while he was talking to him, William Stidger had such a joy about him Norman Vincent Peale said, I tried to tell him about my problems. But he said, oh, Norman, don't worry about those problems. God is bigger than all that. He said, God's going to take care of those problems. And he was just so joyful. Norman Vincent Peale said, I tried to find out why he was so joyful. And he said this, and I've never forgotten it. He said, you know, I learned years ago to practice the attitude of gratitude. To practice the attitude of gratitude with thanksgiving, said Paul. A minister said he went to a banquet recently, and he said a soldier was given a free house, a wounded soldier. He said he was so excited that on his good leg, he ran up on the stage, and he hugged the presenter. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Then he hugged the guitarist in the band, and then he hugged this big lady sitting on the front row, and then he thanked the waiters at the banquet. He thanked the soldiers. He thanked everybody. And then he got around to thanking the minister. And the minister said he had done absolutely nothing with thanksgiving. You see, thanksgiving releases us. It gives us release, the source of our release. And then thirdly, this unwillingness to see our blessings robs God of his rightful praise. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul points out that one of the charges that God brings against people who suppress the truth is this. For though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. He's talking about people who fail to acknowledge their dependence upon God, their relationship with God. So many self-made people tend to strut through life as if they are self-made. There was a minister who was in a restaurant and he was having lunch. The lunch had actually come to the table. But about that time when the lunch arrived, another man that he didn't know stood there and said, I wonder if I could sit down with you. 
The minister said, sure, go ahead. Well, the minister bowed his head, and he got ready to pray and thank God for his food, which was his custom. And when he raised his head back up, the man said to him these words. He said, are you sick? The minister said, no. He said, is your food bad? The minister said, no. Why? He said, well, I saw you looking down, and I didn't know whether you were sick or the food was bad. I didn't know what was going on. I just saw all this. The minister said, well, I was just offering thanks to God, which I always do before I eat. And then the minister said, oh, you are one of those, is what the man said. You are one of those. He said, I don't ever thank God before I eat. I earn my food by the sweat of my brow. I don't need to thank God. I just eat. And the minister looked at him and said, you're much like my dog. He doesn't thank either. He just goes and eats. Now, when people don't have time to thank God, it's sort of like being an irrational animal. What did the psalmist say? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know, when we reflect on what God has done for us, we're simply, again, claiming God's astonishments in our behalf. You know, I never come to a season like this that I'm not reminded of the old retired Methodist bishop. We were in a conference session, and the presiding bishop saw this older guy out there, and he said, and we're so pleased to have so-and-so, and we'd like you to come up here, and would you like to say something to the conference? He said, yes, I'd just like to thank the conference, and I would like to share a few things for which I'm thankful with the conference. He said, number one, I'm thankful for the United States of America and the opportunities provided me. He said, second, I'm thankful for my family and the training I've received at home. He said, thirdly, I'm thankful for the church, not so much for what the church has done for me, but for what I, in my own small way, have been able to do for the church. And then he said, I'm thankful for God. And immediately I thought of Isaac Watts' great hymn, O oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. How did Paul put it? He said, Thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What was it Jesus said? Weren't there ten healed? Where are the other nine? Is nobody going to turn and praise God for what has been done except this stranger? Now, I would like to share this with you in closing. It's called The Deadly Sin of Ingratitude. I meant to go back, but you may guess. I was filled with amazement I cannot express. To think that after those horrible years, that passion of loathing and passion of fears, by sores unendurable, eaten to fowls, my flesh was as smooth as the flesh of a child. I was drunken with joy, I was crazy with glee, I scarcely could walk and I scarcely could see. For the dazzle of sunshine where all had been black, but I meant to go back, oh, I meant to go back. There were tears of rejoicing and laughter and shout. They embraced me for years. I had not known a kiss. All oh, the pressure of lip is an exquisite bliss. They crowded around me. They filled the whole place. They looked at my feet, my hands, and my face. My children were there, my glorious wife, and all the forgotten allurements of life. My cup was so full, I seemed nothing to lack. But I meant to go back. Oh, I meant to go back. Where are the other nine? Is nobody going to turn and praise God for what has been done except this stranger? Let us pray. Lord, we are grateful for your presence. We are grateful for life and all the blessings of life. Forgive us when we stumble around with our complaints. 
Help us, O oh God, to receive you afresh and anew and to live in a new way with a positive outreach toward being joyous and good for the world. It's in your name. Amen. I hope you'll have a wonderful Thanksgiving during this Thanksgiving season, but I also hope you'll remember to be thankful all the year long. God bless. Have a good evening. Good night. Yeah.